there's a lot of things that Disney does that are like actually pretty correct. <laughs> and I actually think like their sustainability initiatives are pretty cool. They're sustain from the get Disney World has been sustainable. Yeah. Like setting up the entire um grounds as its own municipality. Is that the right word? <laughs> municipality. Uh, <laughs> municipality. Um, setting up the entire grounds to be their own musina- m- municipality. There you go. Allowing them to like use solar energy, allowing them to do all of all of these initiatives that like are positive for the social well-being. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Because we can, uh, we'll obviously talk about it. I went ahead and hit record because I felt like we were getting into it. Oh, perfect. I'm glad that you did. Yes, 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 yes. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, welcome to an extremely goofy podcast. Hello, Woo. hello. Woo. Hello. With your favorite goofy hosts, Ashlyn and Lexi. Woo. I'm Lexi. I'm Ashlyn. If you don't know, then you suck. <laughs> right? Like, I think we have two pretty distinctive voices. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm editing, I'm like... Yeah, those are those are two different people. <laughs> very, very different. But throughout all of those differences, we've still been friends for too many years to count. I tried counting, and one, I don't want to divulge that. Two, I don't want to divulge that. Three, I don't want to do math right now. Oh, I've never do. I would never want to do math. And what is math? I use Excel for my math. Hmm. I did some hard Excel work today. Oh yeah, it's yeah. It's, was it fun? No, um. no. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear the panic in my voice? No, you were like, eh, eh, no, no. It was not. Yeah. As a lawyer, do you use Excel a lot? I do since I work on deals. So oh. I'm like, I'm like doing business stuff all day. So like, I actually do do a lot of Excel, but I don't wanna. I find it a red flag. <laughs> If you like Excel, like, (laughs) and I like using Excel, but there's a difference between liking using Excel and like really liking Excel. My beloved is very into spreadsheets. I could see him being very into spreadsheets. He has like a whole budget spreadsheet that he like has like tax bracket information calculated in and all kinds of stuff. Can you ask? Can you get that for me? I, I, need, <laughs> I, I, no. I, I, I need a budget. I need to figure out. Well, okay. Here's the thing. I tried doing my budget last two weekend, two weeks ago, and I was like, mm. This is what set you into a depressive spiral, by the way. Like, I know you think it's the phase <laughs> of the moon, but I'm pretty sure it was this. Maybe. But you know what I did this past weekend? I just bought a ton of shit. So, you know... <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. I have been so out of control with my online shopping like recently. I okay, so Sunday. Okay, no, let me back up. Saturday, all of these packages arrived. And I was with Seth all day and I did not want him to go with me to the mail room <laughs> because I did not want him to know like <laughs> of the things that had arrived. So I waited until he was busy on Sunday and then I drove my car to the mail room and I loaded up the back of my car. You drove my- your car. <laughs> yeah up with all of the packages and <laughs> parked outside of my building with like my hazard lights on and like took them all in and I thought I had gotten away with it but then today 
I thought I maybe had one package in there, maybe two tops. Mm-hmm. Like five. Oh, five no, were in there. no, no. Yeah, and he was with me and he was like, this is an insane amount of packages. And I was just like, mm-hmm, yep. Um, <laughs> so many packages. I wonder who sent me all of these things. So weird. It's all I, it's all, I just love receiving random presents. Crazy. And unbelievable. Um, yeah. What have you been buying though? I have stopped online shopping specifically because I could not – I was like, okay, if I'm going to be spending money, I'm only going to be spending money on shit that I'm actually seeing. But then I like ran errands yesterday mm-hmm. and – or yeah, yesterday. I ran errands yesterday and my form of errands is going to Target, Spirit Halloween, and Michael's. I actually saw your tweet that you were looking for Spirit Halloween or like going to Spirit Halloween. I was like, oh, she's spending money. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was actually pretty good yesterday. Like I was actually pretty good comparatively compared to like last year. Last year I overspent way too much. This year I was really good and everything was 40% off and I still oh. only left with like three things. That is good. I know. So proud of myself. Um. I'm proud of you too because you deserve all of the packages. Oh, Lexi, that's so sweet. Thank you. Oh, yeah. It's um even if they are funded by you, you still deserve them. Thank you. I agree. It's like little gifts to myself. <laughs> and you deserve all of the gifts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've just been buying stuff that it's like no one ever needs that. <laughs> like Like what? Um, so I bought a bunch of well, okay, so I bought <laughs> I bought native deodorant. We're not sponsored. However, I would love to be sponsored if you want to sponsor us. So I bought native deodorant. It's like that natural deodorant that's made out of coconut oil. Yes, yes. Do you like it? Um, well, here's the thing. I thought no way would that <laughs> ever work for me. Um, but it does. It's it's kind of working. Ooh. Kind of and I smell great because I bought the pumpkin spice scent. Because oh. I wanted, yeah. I was like, ooh, seasonal deodorant smells. I'm kind of into this concept. We so love seasonal deodorants. I love seasonal everything. <laughs> no, I know. I'm honestly, though, like, I'm not a huge fan of, like, this is this might shock you. Not a huge mm. fan of fall scents. Nah. I'm, um, I'm not. I don't like pumpkin, actually. Says the says the girl who just bought pumpkin spice deodorant yeah yeah i I, I don't want to taste it but like my armpits smell nice valid it's the wheel of the year you know it's nice to kind of see and smell the changes yes especially when you live not by trees yeah 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 Yeah. and like also since like going fully remote with work i'm just inside a lot so (laughs) it's nice to kind of like change my decorations, change the smell of my armpits, you know, like really just embrace these yes. changes happening in the world, mm-hmm. even though every day is kind of the same for me. You're changing. You've had a lot of changes this past year. Yeah. I got out of my toxic job. You did get out of your toxic job. That was a big change. A lot of things happening, you know, in your personal and mental health, which are like all positive things. Oh, okay, good. I was going to say, which were bad. No. <laughs> no, I think it's positive. So I'm really proud of you in that, and you should be proud of yourself too. Lexi, you're going to make me cry. No, don't. We just started. Oh, I'm really proud of you too. Thank 
I'm so proud of you for being in this new job and for being in your big girl apartment in a new city. Thank you. Like you're really I, going after kinda, your dreams, and I've always like so respected you for that. Like you always have known what you wanted, and you just really go for it. You're gonna make me cry. <laughs> yeah. It's not time to cry just yet. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of other things to cry about, though. Um, so me and Ash decided to rewatch. Well, I rewatched it. Ashlyn had not actually yet yet watched it which to me was kind of insane um we went into the journey of trying to get ourselves to love disney parks again and i know that with all of the changes that were happening because i also was not a huge fan of how much ip it was coming into the parks under Iger because it for me it didn't feel very new or authentically disney it just kind of felt like monopoly to me um, so something that kind of relit the fire in me, um, last year, I think it, de- it was released on mm-hmm. Disney plus. Um, yeah. So we went into the journey of watching Imagineering me for the second time around and Ash for the first time. Very first time. I didn't watch it before because I was in a very bad place in my life working <laughs> in a job that I was not passionate about that made me cry every day. And I felt like if I watched people, Doing my dream job, I would not be able to handle it. So I never watched it. And um, it's funny because now I'm like, oh, it wasn't actually about like being an Imagineer. It's just kind of about the history. Yeah. Yeah, Like the history of the parks and how they got or how, you know, Disneyland and Disney World became to be the Disney that we know today. I think the one that you are thinking of and the one that I, that it's the one that I keep on referencing, even though it's the incorrect name. It's the like mini Sodic series um, yeah. about actual Imagineers and CMs um, yeah. and their day to day. Yeah. I think it's called like a day at Disney or something. Yeah. But I agree. I think that's what I was mixed up with. Which it's honestly easy to mi- mix it up, obviously, because clearly I just keep calling it Imagineers. It's not, that's not the name. But yes, we watched it and I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on it. Cause I know for the first time, when I watched it for the first time, I was in tears. I watched the entire series in one go, stayed up because I wow. was like absolutely beside myself with all of the information that was given to us. Some of it like pretty well known, a, a lot of it. Not so much well-known, I guess, unless you're like an actual like hardcore Disney adult, Disney freak rather. I think Disney freak is the right word for it because there was a lot of stuff that I actually learned. And I mean, I consider myself to be like a pretty hardcore like Disney fan. Oh, yeah. I was learning a lot of new things. Yeah. And it's crazy because I remember reading Walt's biography years ago, like when I was in college because I did Mm -hmm. um, one of my final papers on – um, Walt Disney being an innovator. And I, in that paper, I like encapsulated his entire life. But I think there's something to be said in that, like, this man really turned the theme park industry around, as well as what it meant to lead a creative company. The paper was different or rather the biography was obviously different than um, Imagineering, um, but it was just kind of wonderful to get back to the feeling 
of happiness seeing how much <laughs> Disney changed the entertainment industry. Yeah, it this whole docuseries really gave me an intense sense of pride. Yeah. Over being a Disney fan, being a former Disney cast member. It just really filled me up with good feelings. <laughs> I cried like every single episode. So it was so easy to. I it was so <laughs> so easy to. It like it really made me remember why I loved the Disney company as much as I do, right? Like as much as we do, like why we do care about these parks and the property that comes with it. Yeah. It reminded me of what's so special about Disney and like, what was that like special sauce that made it? Because it's like, and and like, we'll get into this more, I'm sure or we can just talk about it now, but like, I realized watching this, like, there's such a distinct difference between, like, an amusement park and a theme park. Yes. And Disney set the standard for theme park. Yeah. And hearing them talk about, like, the level of detail of things or, like, there was this um, – I can't even remember who said it, but there was this quote that was, like, we want to, like, give people, like, perfection beyond what they can imagine. So mm-hmm. it's, like – guests go into the park and they expect, you know, to see like X, Y, and Z, but like this is always going to be above what they could even imagine. It's the amount of detail that is put into the Disney parks that make it a Disney park. I wouldn't even consider Disney is a theme park, but not all theme parks are a Disney park. Yes. Like in the level of standard that is being executed. I mean, obviously, like, Lego and, you know, Japan has amazing, amazing theme parks. But in terms of U.S. properties, there's um, the Nickelodeon one, um, Legoland, the Sesame Street one. But I'm, like, running off this list of names, and, like, they're not as memorable to me. Hershey Park, even, which is one yeah. of the bigger ones. Yeah. Um, it's, like, that... I'm not getting Disney-level detail in those parks. Well, it's like Disney operates on such a level that it's, like, impossible to copy what they're doing, you know? Like, it would be so difficult to get a team of people that could execute at that level. They talked about detail level four, Mm -hmm. and... It's just like, I don't, I don't like really remember how they exactly ran through it, but it's like you put guests in this environment that's like so real to them and like so vividly detailed that it's like they are fully immersed in it with all of their senses. And they talked in this, in I think it was the Disneyland Paris episode about like, they didn't just like paint the tiles on yeah. these rooftops. They're like painting the individual tile um, with these like different colors and like different gradients to like draw the eye upward. Mm-hmm. To make um, it look so much bigger than it actually is. Yeah. And it's just like that kind of stuff. Like you're not going to get at an average theme park. I don't know if you get it anywhere else. No, you can't. Like you, you, you don't get it. Unless you're going to an act like a landmark city. Yeah. And even then, right? Like a city can be discombobulated um, or like just very different depending on where you go. Uh, to me, at the top of my head, I'm thinking um, Edinburgh and how there's old city and new city mm-hmm. um, and how it is, it's pretty split. Um, obviously, because of when um, each parts of the city were built. But that being said, Disney has. a way of meshing everything to be 
transitionally perfect, I guess, is <laughs> the right way to say it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But also, like, I don't know, just the amount of details that the first Imagineers put into this, how they set the standard, and how that standard is now meant to be followed. I just mm-hmm. don't think that any other park or company has that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, you realize watching this series that it's like the specialness of Disney is not coming from top down. It's not coming from business strategy. It's not coming from executive level. Like it's truly coming from this like little subset of people who work there that have the creative vision and then the ability to execute on that vision. And that's like really what's driving all of this. Right. I think a great point in that respect is there was the seat, there was the part of, I think it was the first episode, maybe it was the second, but after Disney had passed um, and, you know, top level went to the Imagineers and they said, what was next? Like, what are they going to do next? Obviously, Disney did so much for the first Imagineers in terms of direction, but he wasn't the one to execute it. He just sparked that idea, right? And like you said, like, it's really everyone's ability to take a single little spark and blow it up. Yeah. I have so many thoughts on that comment. Um First of all, I found it so interesting that, like, the original Imagineers was not, like, this special group of people that, like, went to college to gain a specific (laughs) skill set to then go and achieve this job, you know? And so it was just, like, this weird group of just, like, strange weirdo people that, like, (laughs) didn't fit in anywhere. Yeah. And that's what made them special. Yes, exactly. That they were just so willing to do everything. uh, Yeah. And, like, willing to do anything really, to achieve the end ga- the end goal. Yeah, it was just like this, like, gang of misfits that came together. Yeah. Like, and it's absolutely beautiful. I think it was Kim Irvine being like, they just kind of picked us up and was like, we're going into training mode, and now this is what you're going to be doing. And that was everyone working at Disney. Yeah. It's hard to imagine that this culture still exists at Disney and like I honestly don't know if it does and I I I say that because I don't see it but like just because like I feel like in 2021 it's like people are like going to school for like engineering or like architecture or whatever and it's like they're climbing the corporate ladder it's not just like hey I like to monkey with cars so like can I like design a car for Autopia like Mm -hmm. you know it's not that same like strange just like kind of experimentation we'll just give you a shot we'll train you up right kind of mentality I'm pretty sure that Disney was the first that the Disney parks were the first parks to introduce animatronics I think yeah I think so there was a reason why I did Disney being like one of the best innovators in at any point some anyone could have been I want to make this real or I want to see this look as lifelike as possible Mm -hmm. but Disney was the first one to do it from Mm -hmm. Madame Leota to the Hall of Presidents which I 
fucking hate the Hall of Presidents. Which we hate. We hate the Hall of Presidents. <laughs> However, Disney's love for Lincoln. I want to, and I might be completely incorrect here, but I also feel like without that like driving force of I want to, I want to make this man, like I want to make this puppet come to life, like really come to life. We wouldn't have a lot of what we love in the parks, which is agreed. And we talked about it in past episodes where, you know, the new Beauty and the Beast ride in Tokyo Disney yeah. or the Little Mermaid ride in Disneyland and all of these animatronics, like without that little spark, we wouldn't get any of these like beautiful visuals. The Frozen ride. Could you imagine the Frozen ride? No. Without that. Like that's, that's crazy to me. Watching Imagineers was just so beautiful to me. What hearing everyone's firsthand experience working in a environment like that. And like, to your point, like if Imagineering culture is still Imagineering culture. I feel like we're not seeing it. I think that I have a lot. I have a lot of thoughts on this. Like, I think that there was so much focus on experimentation for those early Imagineers Mm -hmm. where it was like, figure out how to make this puppet move, figure out what to do with these cars. They were just like given an idea and told to run with it. Mm -hmm. And they even said in the documentary, like, if Walt was going north, you had a lot of latitude to go east or west. Mm-hmm. But you could never go south. Yeah. And I love that idea because it's like you had so much room to kind of experiment and figure things out and play with it on your own to see where you came up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to imagine like that same spirit existing now because I feel like there's so much focus on the budget and like only doing things that are going to drive value. Yes. So I think that it, I just... This culture could totally still exist. We don't know because we're not Imagineers. But it's hard for me to imagine that in corporate America where we're really driven by, like, stock prices. Especially, you know, seeing the way that just the parks are being handled at the time as, yeah. like, as a consumer. Which is hard for me because I think, like, there was a quote that really, like, rang to me. And it was when Walt Disney was building Disneyland. There was one, always something better that they could do. That the Imagineers could build Matterhorn, which was absolutely crazy for the time. And they built it and Disney said, okay, so that's cool. Okay, now what about the next thing? Um, <laughs> I think the second quote that like really rang to me was him saying, like, we don't want to do a job that isn't first class. Like Mm -hmm. that was the driving force behind the team's work that everything just needed to be perfect. Not just because they were coming to this park that, you know, Walt really put everything in him, but because that's what everyone expected. Yeah. I still see glimmers of that with modern day Disney. And what, why? Yeah, I think a really good example of it is Space 220, that new restaurant in Epcot. Mm -hmm. That thing looks absolutely magnificent from the videos and photos that I've seen. And I can kind of see in that experience where it's like, this is first class. This is perfect. Mm -hmm. Like, this sets the standard for the industry. Right. But at the same time, 
I feel like there are lots of other things that have happened like throughout the past few years Mm -hmm. where it's just kind of like you can tell that that wasn't really thought out or like there wasn't that much love put into that or it was rushed. Or that, you know, the bottom line meant more than the customer experience. Um, I think we've talked about how the way Galaxy's Edge was supposed to be yeah, versus how it actually ended up being. And like, don't get, I've never been. I think that's the best example of like seeing, of not seeing the setting the standard thing in action. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think that, and I also think it's because Disney has become so complacent. They know, like they are a thousand percent aware that regardless of what they do, they are still going to, make that money yes um yeah there's a really big danger of like seeing yourself as number one and i think that disney like does forget sometimes that it's like universal is actually like a really good theme park um harry potter land is really good and i think that disney sometimes does get too comfortable feeling like oh we're number one we're at the top of the theme park industry so like we can cut some attractions out of galaxy's edge we don't need to have entertainment options here (laughs) right like we don't it's fine that we cut all of these experiences because at the end of the day people are going to still spend the money on us right right but does that really ring true when there's so many of those experiences being cut out and we are currently living through a time where the disparity between those who have money and those who don't is so large. And it is currently, through the pandemic, one of the biggest topics as we continue to go through this world, like what is worth the money? What is what is worth spending hundreds of dollars on? And I'm saying this and like this episode was supposed to be so happy. I know we were trying to make an, an upbeat episode. <laughs> I know. Well, no, it is still upbeat because quite like it, it is like, obviously I'm a little bit disappointed with how Disney parks is being ran right now, but also at the same time, like we wouldn't even be complaining about all of these things. Good point. If it wasn't for the fact that Disney set the bar. Oh my God. Gratitude. I am feeling it on this full moon. (laughs) Yes. We are feeling the gratitude. We are feeling what we need to focus on. I am releasing the negative feelings I have. I'm holding on to the negative feelings that I have. I just expect more. I watch Imagineering and I'm like, I just expect more from the parks. Right? Like, I, I think we're allowed to want more. No, we are. And I think it's important to be like um, conscious, critical consumers of things that we love. Yes. Especially if we're going to be putting money into it, which we both, we both do. Um, But then also when it comes to like the whole money thing, like Walt put Disney, the company almost in bankruptcy multiple times to build Disneyland. Oh, I want to talk about this because I personally feel like this is one reason why Disney does not take risks like it used to. How? What are your thoughts? So I I don't want to get doxxed, but like <laughs> because I kind of want to explain this. Like I work in venture capital, so I every single day see entrepreneurs with big ideas who get fun money from investors to like go out and build things. Mm-hmm. 
and 80% of the time doesn't work out waste of money we poured money into a black hole it is what it is Mm -hmm. but sometimes it does work out and then it's amazing and wonderful and awesome and like you know what innovation is all about watching the first episode of imagineering and seeing how Walt talked about the park and how the people interviewed talked about the experience. Mm -hmm. I feel like I realized for the first time that Walt really was an entrepreneur and that he had this big idea, this big vision, and he 100% believed in himself. He did not think there was any chance that he could fail. And then he was able to go out and sell that vision to people with money. They said in the documentary, we built these rides and we didn't even have to pay for it. We just used somebody else's money. Yeah. And I think that shift in like Disney's history from being able to use other people's money and like if you lose it, you lose it Mm -hmm. versus we're now using our own like company coffers Mm -hmm. is probably why we don't see Imagineering experimenting as much as it did early on. Because it's like a really different equation whenever it's like this is our own money and we're not going to be able to get more of it that easily versus before whenever Walt was like, I'm just going to go out to like some rich people and ask mm-hmm. for more money. That It's actually funny because in the autobiography, they talk a lot about how he struck up all of these deals with industry heads to fund yeah. um, not just the parks, but his films – um, uh-huh. the shows, the, all of the entertainment coming out of Disney was because Walt Disney was striking deals with everyone to yeah. get that funding. It takes like a, like, you know, it takes a certain personality to be able to like come up with a big idea and then to like say, okay, I'm just going to like risk everything and go do that myself. And that's like what I'm going to do. And if it bombs, then I guess I'll just be hungry. Um, but then it's like a whole nother skill set to be able to sell that vision to other people and have them actually write you a check. Right. Exactly. So I think it's pretty incredible that, well, I don't think it would have happened if he didn't have that personality. I do also want to note though, that, um, a lot of this play money that he was receiving, he did have to pay it back if it wasn't going to benefit. So yeah, I think that was also one of the biggest pushes to get Disney to a place where it set such a high standard because they needed to. Because yeah. if they didn't, the company was close to being bankrupt multiple times while Walt, while Disneyland was being built. And if they were not able to... um if they weren't able to get the profits or be able to back it up, yeah. then they would have to return all of that money back to um, the investors. And they didn't have that money, which was why they were borrowing it. That's like a pretty common way that companies get money. Mm-hmm. They just get like debt instruments from people who have the money right now. Yep. They spent three times the budget. Multiple times. Disneyland. Three times. Multiple times. Roy Disney, I don't know how that man slept. Slept? (laughs) Slept. I'd be like CBD melatonin. Like, what was he doing that made him calm? Because if I was him, I would not be calm. I don't know how he did it. I don't know. I I don't know. One of my favorite facts, um, speaking on on Roy Disney, rather, is that in Disney World, it's him sitting on the bench because it's his his park. Um, Yeah. And that's just really sweet. And now I'm going to cry. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I literally have written down that whenever Walt was asked about the budget for Disneyland, he was just like blew it off. It was like, eh, it's not about the budget. Yeah, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. Roy will figure it out. Could you imagine saying in 2021, someone else will figure out how we're going to fund all of this? And we're- There's no way that anyone is able to say that anymore at Disney. No, absolutely not. And this is why we're getting all of these changes and it's terrible. Um, yeah, yeah. But I feel like that mindset is what we need. Sorry, go ahead. I totally cut you off. Oh, no, it's fine. I was just getting excited because I found my original notes okay. <laughs> that I scribbled whenever I was watching this in the bathtub. Um, <laughs> you wrote in the bath, like you wrote on a notepad in the bathtub. You oh. know, I'm taking this seriously. Oh, oh. I wrote down that Walt had really big Firefest energy. Oh, because so it was huge like Firefest energy. Huge Firefest <laughs> it was energy. Like, it was like, what about the budget wall? And he's like, don't worry about it. We're, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It'll come. And then I think my favorite thing is, you know, when they were interviewing the original Imagineers um, and it was like they were six to eight months from opening and they didn't really have anything. And Walt looked around the property and was like, there is nothing here that someone would pay 15 cents for. What are we going to do? Big Firefest energy. Big Firefest energy. Except the thing about Walt is that he wanted people to pay that. He wanted people to be like, yes, I want to spend this money so I can come back. And so I want yeah. people to enjoy their time. Yeah. Um, versus what's his name? He was kind of just like, well. I just think it takes like a certain amount of like um, insanity to like do these things. Like, yes. I let alone how do you sleep at night, but just like how do you get through your day whenever it's like you show up and you spent $17 million and there's like nothing built yet and it's like you're opening in six months and you're just like, okay, I guess we'll just like figure it out. Literally. Uh. Like, what? How concrete wasn't set by the time the gates were opening? I always loved that fact. I love that. I do too. Yeah. I knew that one already, but I. I love that. I also love that um, they were like, Walt, do you want to have drinking fountains or toilets? And he was like, I guess toilets. <laughs> like, I guess that's the most important thing. Yeah. And then people accused him of trying to sell Coke. <laughs> it's funny it's to so me. Funny. I know. I know. There's a lot of things that you could accuse Walt of trying to sell. But I think the biggest takeaway from Walt, what Walt was actually trying to sell was nostalgia and mm-hmm. um, our childhood. Not our childhood, because we're obviously not, you know, 60, 70, 80. I think it's the 70, they're coming up to 70, I think. I think it was like, wasn't it just like 65th or something? The only thing that Walt wanted to sell to people was their childhood and magic and nostalgia. And guess what people got? All of those things. All those things. All those things. Also, one of my biggest takeaways was that Disneyland was built intentionally. Yes. How it was built in, you know, that like circular pattern, how there was that one road and it all splits. And I can't think of the name right now. The hub and spoke model. Yes. Thank you. The hub and spoke model. How, and I think that's where I, that's, what I was trying to mean when I was saying how Disney merged 
the spaces like super intentionally and like really well too. Yeah. Like you go from Tomorrowland to Fantasyland and it still seems like it's the same park. Yeah, I loved I loved that too because it's like I I honestly think that it was something that like I knew innately but I've never like heard expressed so well before. Right. Um, where they talked about how Disneyland is like a movie in itself and you're like yes. moving between these scenes. Yes. And then at the end of it, like you are moved. You've been changed by this experience that you've had, mm-hmm. just like a protagonist in a film. But that's the th- I love that. That's yes. And that's the thing, like Disneyland was always meant to be an experience. Like that's how Walt Walt, you know, imagined it. And yes, Disney World today is definitely an experience a thousand percent, but is it the same experience that we're getting? So I think that the bones of it are still there. Absolutely. But I think that by cutting out, like, for example, um, so much entertainment that we would encounter whenever we go to the parks, Mm -hmm. um, I think cutting things like that has made it a much less immersive experience. Yes. That hampers your like, I'm in a movie and I am progressing through it. Right. <laughs> feeling. Because it's like you said, like it's the small, small details, right? So yeah. like I I think it was at the beginning of the pandemic and then um even throughout the pandemic when we thought that things were going to get better with Disney World, when they let all of the live entertainment go and then they started bringing CMs back, but the first the first CMs to like to get formally you know, let go were the Dapper Dans. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I never realized how important the Dapper, like, obviously I knew how important the Dapper Dans were to the park, but there's a difference between like knowing how important the Dapper Dans were to the park and walking through the park and noticing that something's missing. Yeah. And I don't know, to me, it's very much now, it's like how many, how much of the leadership has actually spent a day in the parks as a Disney fan. That's my huge issue with executive leadership right now. Like it feels like these people aren't Disney fans. It's just like a random person who went to business school in a suit. Yeah. Yep. Again, bottom line is the most important thing. Yeah. And like, I went to business school. I'm not dragging you guys, but like, (laughs) I also went to business school. Like I'm not trying to drag y'all either. I know how important the bottom line is, but at the same time, like for a company like Disney, where its roots are driven, it's in the blood, it's in the Disney code. Yeah. That, you know, the first priority is park goers experience. And I don't think that we're getting that from leadership right now. Yeah. I mean, my issue with it is that it causes long-term damage because, you know, maybe right now you cut out the Dapper Dance mm-hmm. or you cut out like the citizens of Hollywood or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe immediately that doesn't make a huge impact on your bottom line other than the fact that you've like saved some money from not having to hire those people anymore. Right. But I just think long-term that kind of stuff is going to turn around and bite you in the back because People are going to be like, you know what? My experience at Disney World actually wasn't that immersive this time. I kind of feel like I could have the same experience if I went to Universal. Right. Because it is starting to become a Universal Park. Yeah. And I love Universal Parks. They're fun. Yeah, it's, it's great. Competition's good. Yeah. But there's there was always supposed to be a difference between a Disney Park and a Universal Park. 
Yeah. And you have to, the thing about setting the standard is that you have to keep trying to set the standard. You can't just like set it one time and then be like, that's the standard, everybody. Like we're there. We can, no, like the whole thing about Disneyland and Disney World was that we need to be better. We need to be better than we were yesterday. Um, Yeah. That mindset is just like not, I feel like it's not there anymore. I feel like we haven't really gotten that mindset since Eisner. Um, I feel like Iger, I know, I know. I feel like Iger, Iger, I feel like Iger was so focused on what can I do to make my tenure known. And like (laughs) he did make his tenure known by, you know, collecting all of the IP like Monopoly, which is great. It's wonderful that we can now say that all of these niche Brands and fandoms can all come together under one entertainment house. But did they set, did they go above and beyond the standard that was already set for them? I don't necessarily think so. Like if you're looking at it from an imagineering point of view. I don't think that we're there yet. Like I think Disney still has room to try to work its magic on Marvel um, I think they're trying with Star Wars, but I also feel like they bungled Galaxy's Edge. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Galactic Star Cruiser will be better. Maybe. I mean, hey, I'm so excited for that hotel. So, so, so excited. And maybe we're skipping a little too ahead of this, but I just find it a little weird that Galactic whatever is opening up. And same for Space 2022 or whatever. I'm really bad with property names. <laughs> I forgot that you had this note. <laughs> I'm really like I just find it weird that there Lexi has a conspiracy theory. I do have a conspiracy theory. I just find it so strange that right, like they're having so much success with Galaxy's Edge, opening up um Galactic Star Cruiser, opening up Space 2022, um without Joe Rody. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm just, it's its weird to me that they're um, opening up all of these entertainment offerings without Joe Rohde um, in 2021 um, when Joe Rohde himself left Disney. As someone who's an, incre- in, like, who put so much of his life Swork into the company. Okay, so the essence of what you're saying is that you think it's weird that Joe Rody left. You think it's weird that after Joe Rody left Disney, they started opening all of these space themed things. Whenever he's at Virgin Galactic, he's at Virgin Galactic now. It's, I think it's strange. I think it's weird. And like to me, I just think that that was the biggest indicator of. Disney not necessarily caring about the customer experience anymore or setting the standard anymore because Joe Rody has put everything in him into making the parks a cost like an experience. Wait, I'm dying. I need more. I need more details on the conspiracy theory. So, do you think that they <laughs> start? I'm trying to think of the timeline here. Do you think that they were already doing space things and they were like, get out of here, Joe Rody? Oh, they were a thousand percent already doing space things. You can't just create, right? You can't just build um, these immersive experiences in seven months. 
You're right. And Joe Rody put in his um, put in his leave uh, at the beginning of this year, at the end of last year. There's absolutely no way that Galactic um, Starship is that it. I think it's like Star Cruiser, but I mean, who cares? It's like some it's, it, it doesn't. Yeah. Anyway, there's absolutely no way that um, an immersive hotel and an immersive dining experience could be built in nine months in the way that they did. So, do you think that he was like, "Hey, guys, I have a lot of thoughts about space," and they were like, "Get out of here, Joe." No, I think I think that he had a lot of ideas, and that they brought this ex- these experiences to the table and that he wanted to execute all of these things and they said that they weren't going to be able to do it because of funding uh-huh and so then he was like i'm gonna go take my love for space elsewhere i think that <laughs> i don't necessarily think it's like that i just think that there is definitely something fishy that in that like all of these space themed experiences as experiences are opening up nine months after Joe Rody left, after Joe Rody formally left the company t- for him to go to Virgin Galactic. Why are they so focused on space right now? Why are they? Probably because of this, n- I was going to say Star Wars. Da, da, da! <laughs> um, fake space race. Oh, the billionaire space the race. The billionaire space race. Um, I guess that makes sense. I guess, but I'm also like, what else could, like, are, do they just not have any ideas anymore? Like, I love space. I just find it kind of interesting that it's like, I don't know, all this time there was nothing and now it's like space, 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 eat in space, stay in space. Right. There's no pool aboard the spaceship and we don't really go to space. <laughs> <laughs> Literally on the website. It's giving me mission space. Um, I had a realization while I was watching this in the bathtub. Mm. 2021 Disney can all be traced back to the very day that Eisner brought his teenage son to the Magic Kingdom, and he thought that it was lame. That's why I brought up Iger and Eisner. Thank you. Thank you. Because, seriously, this I, I know it sounds crazy, but this teenage boy is responsible for modern day Disney parks as we know. Brett Eisner, we love you. I don't know if you're a <laughs> shitty I hope you're not a shitty person. I'm about to get canceled. He's named Brett. Um, so all you need to know. I'm, just I'm sorry. Um, Better than Chet. Ugh, or Brad. Brad. <laughs> but seriously, this kid is what did it. Because after he was like, Dad, this place is lame. Then um, Eisner was like, okay, so what are the kids into? And Brett's like, Star Wars. So then he's like, all right, Star Wars. And that is why Disney bought Lucasfilm and Marvel. Mm-hmm. That is why Disney has become the, you know, IP M- Mongol extravaganza. Yes. Extravaganza. Yes. That it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know what Disney would be like without that. No, I, event. I don't think Disney would be anything that we know of if it wasn't for that, you know, happen chance. So interesting. It's just that butterfly effect, you know. It is that butterfly effect, but I was good. Sorry, I like completely blacked out. But I think it's one of those things where like, the last time we it's it goes back to the to the idea that the last time we saw true Disney innovation was with Eisner. Yeah. With that came the idea of how do we bring these in and how do we bring them in to make sense and 
to Disney park goers. And I don't think that they figure that out yet. In the year 2021. Yeah. Like, I think their integration of Marvels made no sense. Like, they're literally just putting a giant building in Epcot, and they're just like, it's Guardians of the Galaxy coaster time. Right? Like, Epcot really lost its way. Yeah. I Oh, yeah. I definitely want to talk about Epcot. But I also have to say, like, I don't even think Galaxy's Edge makes sense in Hollywood Studios. Like, I honestly think it should have been a separate gate because... Especially with how, like, immersive and large and important it is. Hollywood Studios is a mess. They need to just, like, bulldoze it or something. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't need this much. Not, not Hollywood Studios, Slander. It doesn't make sense because it's like, oh, welcome to the golden age of Hollywood. And then it had, like, a film studio, and, like, that was all nice and tidy and whatever, and it made sense thematically. But then it was like, like, now we have Toy Story Land. Yeah. It's next door to Galaxy's Edge. I mean, it's like, what am I doing here? What is this park? It, Hollywood Studios has never made sense, quite frankly. Like, it, it has Confusing. never made sense. But I think now it especially doesn't make sense because yeah. – um, especially when you look at where they're putting Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy and, like, um, all of these Marvel – experiences like why are why are they all being put into epcot and not into hollywood studios what happened to epcot can we talk about epcot i'm just very confused about epcot because there's a lot of things that are in epcot that shouldn't be in epcot like i i i I get why frozen is in epcot but i don't really get why frozen is in epcot frozen's in epcot because maelstrom sucked yes maelstrom did suck i'm glad they kept the giant troll yeah that's good on that same vein why is finding nemo an epcot okay so i hate epcot i know and you i do. don't understand <laughs> i don't understand like watching this documentary i had moments where i was like okay i can understand why people like epcot because i i, I which is strange for me because normally i'm like get over yourself epcot sucks yeah. Um, but I, I had moments where I could see it shining through and it was becoming clear to me, but then I lost it again. But I do like this idea that Epcot in its, not its original iteration, but like in its like original theme park iteration Mm -hmm. is this utopian theme park. Yes. Oh, they call it reality made fantastic. Yes. I like that idea. Yes. Epcot was very cool. Early on. Epcot, the idea of Epcot was there, right? Like Walt had like a very distinctive idea for Epcot. And this idea, right, that I that I have kept with me in my 20-something years, where it was where I still stand by the original intention of what Epcot was meant to be, which was as a futuristic city. As a futuristic city. Oh, absolutely. I'd live there like tomorrow. Yeah. Honestly, put me on to what's that ride? What's that? Spaceship Earth. Not Spaceship Earth. People People Mover. Not People Mover. I gotta get more clues. Um with with land. Living with the land. We can make living with the land a commune. We really can. They grow their own everything. I'm obsessed with living with the land. I love living with the land. As as long as living with the land is still in Epcot, I still see that 
utopian city and community that like Disney had wanted. I'm terrified they'll shut that down. Oh, I'm terrified. That and Figment. Oh, yeah. Terrified. I have written in my notes that Epcot went from futuristic city to utopian theme park to garbage IP dumpster. It is because it's really where, oh, we don't have any room for this in all the other parks. So we're just going to dump it in Epcot. No one cares about Epcot anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay. I it just, uh, 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 uh. okay. So like it starts off and it's like Epcot is where big ideas happen and that's cute. And I like it. The edutainment aspect I think was a nice thing to try. I understand why it didn't work out because people don't want to learn things. Right. But I think like where Epcot really went wrong is that it's unfortunately just really hard to have a theme park about progress because you can't keep up with it. Right. So they said in the episode that Epcot was the first place where guests were seeing touch screens. And it's like, Okay, now we're all walking around with touch screens. Epcot was the first place where guests were seeing fiber optics. Okay, we all have fiber optics now and like our right. holiday decorations. Mm-hmm. So like these things were like initially really impressive and amazing, but um, it's just so hard to keep up with that. And I think that's why over time Epcot just be- kind of became dated. So there wasn't as much to learn from. And it's like, how do we keep reimagining this future that hasn't happened yet? So then it just became, we'll put a Guardians of the Galaxy coaster in it and then like a Moana water garden. I just had a pipeline thought. Love it. Because yes, it's it's really like IP just thrown in. And I didn't even see the news about the Moana gar- water garden. So shame on <laughs> me because Moana is my favorite, I guess, 20, like from 2015 on. Ah, that's very hard, actually, because Wreck-It Ralph is also up there, as well as Big Hero 6. Um, In terms of, like, actual Disney IP, though, Moana is my favorite um, favorite movie. Anyway, I digress. Epcot is supposed to be a futuristic city. Epcot is supposed to be where we see all of these, you know, like, new big thoughts. This is where the Imagineers are supposed to shine. Yes. This is where they, this is, if they had turned Epcot into a con, a park goer friendly park, that would make sense to me. But that's not what we're getting. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say. The pipeline is not going up from where Epcot used to be to where it is now. It just has gone down. Yeah. It's really unfortunate because like I, I, I know I just said that the problem with, like, having a theme park based on progress is that you have to keep up with progress. But, like, I do think that there are ways that they can still, like, portray a vision of the future through Epcot. It's ironic because you said the word progress. And it's so ironic because in Tomorrowland, there is the Carousel of Progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the Carousel Progress would have done better in Epcot, too. Like, try to tie the theme together. No, honestly. And, and I mean, like, to me, it didn't make sense that Carousel Progress is in Tomorrowland when we have, spa- when we have um, Spaceship Earth and Epcot. Like, y'all, y'all couldn't have integrated that. You're giving me the same thing twice. 
giving me the same thing guys epcot's just such a hard park for me because it's like one half weird like international mall and then like one half future world and watching this i was at least able to see like okay it's a vision of the future where we're like all connected and we can like share and learn from each other i'm getting i'm getting that but now it's going to be one half international mall and like one half weird ip dump so yeah I'm just not loving it. I'm not loving it. I'm not loving Epcot. Did you guys know that? (laughs) Did you know that? um, Actually, fun fact, Epcot is Ashton's favorite park. No, it is not. Like I trained Seth so well one night. He was like, I like mentioned Epcot offhand and he was like, we hate Epcot in this house. (laughs) No, but it's a valid, valid statement. It's about, I'm just thinking about your ranking of Disney parks and I know what it is. Yeah. And if it wasn't clear to anyone... Let us know in the comments. Take a guess at what Ashlyn's ranking is. I think we talked about it in a separate episode. I think episode. it was in the first episode. I like ran through it. I think so. Um, okay. I, I looked it up because this was bothering me. So in the new Epcot like renovation. The 2021 one? Yeah, but it probably won't finish like ever. So mm-hmm. like 2028. Epcot's uh, always <laughs> under reconstruction and renovation. It's horrible. Um, they're dividing the park into four different neighborhoods and it's world showcase already have it world discovery world nature and then world celebration what's the difference between world showcase and world celebration the showcase I don't know. like the showcases were meant to be a celebration of all of these cultures i don't know it just all makes me mad also, and world of nature. World, world of nature. Like what? Okay, so I guess they are keeping um, living with the land and finding Nemo. Okay, that's cool. Um, and I guess Soren. Whatever, that's cool. But I'm like thinking about it, and like literally half of the park is World Showcase. Yeah. How does that make sense? And also, World Discovery. World Discovery on what? Guardians of the Galaxy, like. A talking tree and a talking raccoon. Well, I love the talking raccoon. Can't think of his name right now. I've never seen it, so I don't know. It's actually pretty funny. I know we I, hate Chris Pratt now, it. but like it's actually pretty funny. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch it. I just have never. Valid. That's how I feel about all of the Marvel films. I, I, <laughs> I know. I like tell myself every single day, I'm going to do it one day. I'm going to sit down and do it. I have not. Yeah, I'm really good about seeing the new ones in theater. Um, ever since Endgame, I think I've seen all of them in, in the theater. Really? Yeah, but, like, some of the early stuff is just, like, lost on me. Like, I don't know who Ant-Man is, and I'm probably who, never going to know. Don't know who Ant-Man is. Don't know who uh, Doctor Strange is. <laughs> I haven't seen Doctor Strange either. I haven't seen Doctor Strange. The last Marvel film I saw in theater was Black Panther. So. Oh, Yeah. Black Panther. That's really good. That one was really good. I love Black Panther. It was like honestly such a great film. But I don't know. Epcot went downhill. <laughs> that's that's all I've got to say. And quite frankly, and quite frankly, I was just like while I was rewatching Imagineering, I was looking up all of these Big Disney names. Joe Rody, Kevin What's-His-Face. I'm really bad with names, people. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I, I couldn't tell if you're, like, giggling under your blankie. I was just hiding under my blanket. <laughs> um, thinking about Epcot. Thinking about what? 
Epcot. Oh, I know. I know how much you hate. Kevin, you're probably thinking of Kevin Rafferty. I am thinking about Kevin Rafferty. And all of these big names that, you know, don't have a place. Did you know Kevin Rafferty has is um in the Legends? I'm pretty sure he has a Disney Legends. It truly takes the two of us to get one thought out. It's it's literally it's honestly because we film these at like 10 p.m. I know it's because we work like literally like you and I both work until like eight o'clock at night and then we like try to do this after and it's like brain is mush. Yeah, like my brain's working like so hard right now. My brain's working at like two percent. Like <laughs> I'm literally like sprawled out in my underwear on my couch. <laughs> With the, mine's like whenever mine's like in SpongeBob. Whenever Plankton puts it into maximum overdrive, <laughs> that's how my brain feels. Like it, it feels very hot, and not be and like not because I have a fever, but because it's working so hard. I'm starting to think I do have a fever because I feel very oh, hot. Don't say that. It's because you're under a blankie. I need a blankie though to be cozy. <laughs> anyway, all of these big names who don't have a Disney legend. Um nameplate attached to it when they deserve it yeah disney legend awards in most recent years haven't been mostly to parks people no and i feel like disney is also just losing its spark when it comes to the parks it is it is it is we really set out with high expectations, didn't we? Thinking that we could have a positive episode. Oh my god, we have to wrap it up. It's getting sad again. I know. Um, anyway, if you are like us, who are, are disenchanted with the way that Disney Parks is at the current moment, I highly suggest, if you have not already, or if you have and need to just, you know, get a re-spark of what you love, Imagineering, Imagineers... I don't know what it, what time is it? <laughs> this series. It reminded me of everything good about Disney. It reminded me what I love about Disney. It gave me hope for the future. As long as we I, can get the essence of Disney back though. And it scares me that people like Kevin Rafferty, Joe Rody, other big names in Disney parks history are leaving because who is going to bring this driving force back to the parks? So I agree with that. It's been like worrisome the past year or so to see so many big names retire and leave the company. Um, but I will say that something that made me feel a bit better while watching this series was seeing kind of like the cyclical nature of Imagineering being on top and like really well respected and then like being about to be fired. You know, it seemed like they went back and forth between like Imagineering's the crown jewel of Disney and then like Imagineering sucks and is wasting all of our money. So we should just fire everybody. Yeah. So seeing it go back and forth like that kind of made me feel like, okay, maybe it's just like the peaks and valleys of how Disney operates. And like, maybe this is like a down period right now. Um, But like maybe the next person who takes over is going to recognize the importance of Imagineering and really give them the respect that they deserve. So two questions. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try to answer. (laughs) One. When do you think was the last high of Imagineering. And as a follow-up question to that, why do you not think that Space 22, 2022 
Galactic Starship, Galaxy's Edge. Why do you not think those are prime examples of Imagineering in 2021? Because there's so many people that I feel would counter us with. These are all great things that would not have been doable without Imagineering. But I don't think it's Imagineering. um, to, to, To clarify, I don't think that it's like the Imagineers that are working for Disney are bad now or that... Um, there isn't like a ton of talent and creativity in the current group of Imagineers. And I think that Space 220, um, Galactic Star Cruiser, Starship, whatever it is. I even think Galaxy's Edge, um, even though it's not what it was originally planned to be, I still think Galaxy's Edge is like a really impressive and beautiful um, part in a theme park. So, you know, I I, am losing my train of thought because I'm sleepy. Hang on a second. (laughs) I do think all of those are great examples of Imagineering. So it's not that I think that Imagineering sucks right now or something. It's that I think that there seems to be like this trend in Disney's history where like depending on who is sitting in the C-suite, Imagineering either gets like more or less credit. And it kind of feels like right now Disney's being way more driven by like what looks good on an income statement instead of like what looks good for guests or like what feels good like as an immersive environment Mm -hmm. so that's what i was speaking to just that like i think that in time the business side is going to recognize the creative side again yeah and put the money into the creative side again yeah like to like truly be what imagineering was about yeah Like, it almost seems like throughout Disney's history, it's like it's either being driven by, like, a Walt type or a Roy type, where it's either, like, the focus is on the creative or the focus is on the finance. Mm -hmm. And I think right now Disney is, like, way more in this, like, focus on the finance period where it's more, like, maximize revenues, minimize costs. Like, don't do anything that isn't going to drive direct value. If we can upsell you, we're going to upsell you. And I think probably in time, like, the – I forget what the saying is, but like, you know, the thing will flip back around Mm -hmm. where it's more focused on how can we make this like the best experience for guests. And then once we do our best and set the standard and like do a first class job, then like the money will flow from that. Mm -hmm. Valid. That's my uh, two cents. (laughs) I appreciate you going in on or rather clarifying, I guess that. Um, yeah, but then, I, don't, I don't want people to think that I like think Imagineering sucks right now. I, I think it's like, I think they're probably doing the best that they can. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be really interested to see your thoughts on the second half of the series. <gasps> if you haven't already seen it. No, I haven't. I've, I was afraid I would get confused. Yeah. Because um, there's like, you know, there's like 3% of my brain available for like filling in like whatever Disney content I want. And the other 97 is like work. Yeah. So I was like, I got to keep that 3% full. Got to keep it about. focused. Yeah. Focused. Yeah. Oh, one more thing. Okay. Well, two more. Th- shit. Um, so what, which period would you say is the in your mind most when was the last upward trend for imagineers time period so only speaking of like domestic parks because 
I don't know much about Shanghai. Um, so I don't, I don't want to speak to it, but I think like thinking about Disney world and Disneyland, I think that new fantasy land was like probably the last time that we like really saw. Well, I don't know because I think galaxy's edge is well done in its own way. It's just that it was supposed to have more than Chapek was like, ah, let's kill it. Yeah. Let's save the money. Was it, like, it was it Chapek though? Yeah. Was it really? It was literally Chapek, but it was before he was CEO. It was back whenever he was like chairman. Oh, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, we got to cut the budget. Yep. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Allegedly. Like, that's what I've heard. Allegedly. Yeah. Um, okay. But I don't know. I feel like, I think, I think Iger too was like a really good CEO. Like initially, I just think like over time it became more like how many toys can I have on my wall? Like whenever he yeah. was just like acquiring all this stuff and then like. Disney Plus, I think, was, like, a good move, but, like, nah, I don't know. I, w- I was going to say that, like, I don't think it's, like, a great long-term strategy, but that's more of Chapek's problem anyway mm-hmm. than Iger. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think that – I think Iger, like, did a good job early on, at least. Valid. For Parks. Valid. Nah. I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling. It's 1130. It is know. 1130. Yeah. We're losing our train of thoughts. We're We're know. losing it. My favorite part of these three episodes was whenever everybody was throwing eggs at Michael Eisner <laughs> at the Disneyland Paris opening. So I was like, oh, my God, my baby Mike. My God. Um, I'm so happy that you ended it with what your favorite part was because I was going to say, <laughs> what was your favorite fun fact about watching the first three episodes? I had no idea that they pelted Michael Eisner with eggs at the Disneyland Paris opening. Mike Eisner really took so much shit i know and quite frankly honestly i would prefer to have eisner right now i would too because i really do think that he was like i think he's the last like creative ceo yes yeah once Iger came in he's very much like a business guy mm-hmm. and then so is chapek you know yeah. they're just suits and like that's fine but i think that I, I think you need that balance in Disney that was set up early on by Walt and Roy. Yeah. I think you really need like a creative guy and then a finance guy or a girl or non-binary friend. I think you just like need that kind of like that kind of energy, you know, you got to bounce it off and no, it's too corporate. Now. It is too corporate. And you see that like in the later half of Eisner's tenure, obviously um, post Wells. Mm-hmm. I, I think Eisner lost himself whenever he lost Frank Wells. Oh, a thousand think, percent. Yeah. And I think that's really where like his whole like legacy at Disney starts to go downhill because I think he just like can't like operate in the same way that he could before. No. And I think that also set the stage for how CEOs ran Disney or mm. would run Disney rather um, yeah. go forward, which is – pretty disappointing um especially for disney i have so many other fun facts that i liked do you want me just to spout them all off right now No, give me just give you can give me you can no no no, it's fine um what i was going to say was that like i would love to hear another one of your fun facts that you really like Okay, another fun fact that I really liked that made me think a lot about myself and my life and my own view on the world was that they talked about how Walt's core belief was that people were good and that there were no bad people in the world. And that's why he wanted to build theme parks. Yes. 
to just bring us all together. And it really made me think because I think I used to have that philosophy about the world up until like a year ago, (laughs) um, whenever, or maybe like a year and a half. I don't know. The pandemic's been rough. The pandemic has been rough. It's it's been a very strange, like stressful couple of years, not just like, you know, globally, but like individually. Yeah. Um, And it's also very, it's like, I love the fact that you, that's one of your fun facts. To wrap this up, my, one of my favorite quotes from the first three episodes was from Walt, this worry world is a, is brand new gift wrapped um, for children. And Disney tried to keep it that way for adults. Escapism from reality is what he aimed to do. I loved that too. That also really hit me. Yeah. Cause like that's, that's what we always talk about. Like how that's why we love Disney so much. Like that's why, you know, we're so in it that that is like the core belief that like we're trying to stick to. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't write it down, I guess, but (laughs) some, like some Imagineer said something like, you know, the world has a way of like kicking like your naivete and like your like childlike wonder out of you. And like he fought really hard to keep it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like I used to have that and I used to have like a core belief that people were good. And like the past like year and a half, two years, I feel like I've kind of had it beat out of me. And it just kind of like watching this made me think about how like I really want to get that back. Yes. And just, you know, start viewing the world in like a bit more of a positive, friendly way again. Yeah. I mean, not to sound like preachy, but I've over the last couple of years, like, I have rejected any form of toxicity and like negative energy in my life because at the end of the day, like got to keep the peace and like you got to keep your energy to yourself and like be really selfish about it because or rather one, be selfish about it, but also two, like not necessarily be such a negative person because like at the end of the day, everyone should be good and I want to believe that everyone is good. And in order to believe that, I also have to be good myself. Yeah. To wrap this up, my favorite fact about the first three episodes um, that I didn't know until I watched Imagineering. Tokyo Disneyland is a licensed park. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that until... I I, knew that. You did? Yeah. It's really interesting. Oh, well, that is also like your forte of what you do. Like, I feel like that's, like, actually wrapped in what you do yeah, for, like, I, yeah. a career. Yeah, I do stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, oh, we didn't talk about Tokyo at all. We just, like, don't have enough time. No, I know. We always go on tangents. It's fine. We'll, we'll talk. We'll, we should do an episode strictly on Tokyo Disneyland. Oh, that'd be fun. We could talk about how it's set up and, like, oh, what rides are really cool. Mm-hmm. And how much, like, thought process there was. And I what? could talk for 20 minutes straight about that popcorn store. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love popcorn. <sighs> okay, noted for go forward. But yeah, that was my favorite fun fact. And that's why currently it seems like Tokyo Disneyland is like the m- best park out of all, even though we've never been. I don't know. It just, the vibes seem to be there. <laughs> the vibes seem really good from what I see online. That's what I'm guys. saying. The vibes seem to be like the energy, and the energy is there. It seems top tier, yeah. <laughs> thousand percent. Like, they're the ones that have Walt's head in their freezer, and they're just, like, <laughs> sucking the ideas out of it. Oh, yeah. my God. 
Thank you guys for listening. Um, we're going to be watching the last half of Imagineering, um, and we'll talk about that and on our next episode. Um, I love Imagineering. I told you you would. I told you you would. I honestly never would have watched it if you hadn't made me watch it. No, and I, I. You had such an aversion to it, and like I have been trying to get Ash to watch it for legitimately six months. <laughs> so even whenever, whenever you were like, "Let's watch it for the podcast," I was like, "I know okay. you like did not want to," and I'm like, "No, like you need to watch it. You need to watch." I was it. like, "This is a collaborative thing, Ashlyn. <laughs> so you need to just do things that Lexi tells you to do." No, control freak. I'm a control freak. All right. No, I am. Oh, I yeah. am. Eh. No, I'm. <laughs> it's okay. I am. It's because I'm a Virgo moon. I can't help it. No, I know. JK. But honestly, thank God for your Virgo moon because without it, we these episodes would never be up. This episode starts, dear listeners, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, Lexi, here's the plan for the next five episodes that we're doing. Okay, so that'll get us through to you know almost Christmas time. Exactly. So you know we're set. We're solid. We're good. Um, <laughs> all of this is thanks to Ash. Thanks. It's thanks to you too, because without you, I don't know if I would like have the same motivation and it wouldn't be fun. No, I feel like podcast by yourself, unless you're talking specifically about a specific thing. It's very hard. Yeah. Very hard. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. We'll be next episode. Next episode will be Imagineering part two. In the meantime, you can catch us out. You can check us out on all of our socials um on instagram we are an extremely goofy podcast sorry i was dancing and i was not paying attention it's to okay what you were i was paying attention to you in my peripherals i saw your hands i saw your mm-hmm. dancing a1 woo 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 woo, woo, woo. woo. you can also follow us on twitter which we're gonna start updating and it is extremely goofy where the o's are zeros and i'm gonna link this in the episode description because i learned how to do that we love a virgo moon bitch Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye.